0: I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast where we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema! So it is the month of January, 2024, and we are in the midst of our Dark Hero Month. Uh, Essentially what we've been doing from week to week is uh, talking about superhero movies, kind of like anti-hero superhero movies, sometimes based on comic books, not always, though. Uh, And a lot of this obviously ties back to the massive success of Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. Now we've been proceeding through these movies in chronological order of release. Uh, So we began with Darkman, Sam Raimi's Darkman. Uh, We moved on to Alex Price's The Crow from 1994. And this week brings us to, uh, what's this fella's name? Mark A.Z. DePay. That's how you know he's better than you. He has a little apostrophe in his name. (laughs) Mark DePay's Spawn from 1997. Uh, and in joining us in this conversation, I, I'm very pleased to report that we have Kyle's brother, Nick. I'm back!
1: Here comes the money!
0: Here we go! Money
1: talk! talk. Here comes the money! Money, money, money! money, money,
2: money, money, money. I'm back! <laughs> He's back, baby! <laughs> Better than ever! My wife got herself pregnant, but that doesn't matter. I'm back. (laughs) Got
1: herself. (laughs) She
2: did a thing. I may have helped. (laughs) We don't know how it keeps happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, very happy to have you here with us Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I guess this is the part of the conversation where it seems like a fitting place to start. Uh, Kyle was the one who said, ooh, 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 we got to have Nick involved in this conversation. And here comes the part where I get to ask live on the air. Why, Kyle, <laughs> why do we need why? to have Nick here to talk about Spawn, of all things? Well, first, two things. You sack of shit! Uh,
1: that's for making us re-watch this. Uh, yeah. Two, yeah. Mark A.Z. DePay, if you uh, read it with Adam Sandler's gibberish voice, it sounds like something you say, Mark A.Z. DePay, like you just say <laughs> <some> <laughs> stupid shit. Um so this movie was a controversial pick for us as, as children. Yeah. Um, we would spend, I think, every weekend that we stayed at our moms renting Mortal Kombat. And this was like, <laughs> this was like on on my radar immediately, immediately, because I'm like, that looks fucking awesome. I want to watch that. Yeah, and our parents yeah. vehemently did not want us to watch it. I think maybe they had watched it on their own, and they're like, you guys cannot watch this movie. I Distinctly
2: remember the cover, right? It's it's the same cover that's always been, and it's always like, ooh, that look, that looks cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I do feel like I acted, I uh, activated my own trap card, agreeing to do a podcast on this movie, though, because it is <coughs> a brutal
1: to watch. <laughs> <Parable>. <laughs> just it's so bad, just, just awful. But this was one of those where my uh, our dad and stepmom were like, you absolutely cannot watch that movie. You can never watch it. It's you. It's just not going to happen. And uh, we were at mom's, uh, visiting our mom, and I'm like, "Hey, can we rent Spawn?" And mom's like, <laughs> "Yeah, sure." I'm like, "Oh fuck really? yeah, all right." Uh, and then I remember watching it, and then we didn't really understand. We didn't have the concept of a bad movie. Like we knew there's movies that we didn't want to watch, like anything our parents rented, uh, but we were just like were actively disengaged with this film even as children which is difficult to do with this kind of like character um and then word got out that uh that mom had rented this for us and it was a bit i got in trouble for this like this was uh, oh. kind of a big deal see i didn't know that i oh, didn't know yeah. that at all i just yeah. remember we had a childhood friend who was obsessed
2: with this movie and oh, yeah. i i just thought well, he watched it. We—that's probably what mom thought. They watched it yeah. so we could.
1: Well, he turned out just fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. He, yeah. The, the the friend that watched <laughs> this a lot, watched this a lot, and really loved it, also loved singing the Hellfire song from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like fire, hellfire, this fire. I remember being in the backyard on the swing set and him screaming that song at the top of his lungs. And I don't know if you remember that song very well. It's fucking dark.
0: It's about an old man who desperately wants to bang a young woman. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a yeah. song and we it, all sing. Yeah. <laughs> the song we feel in our hearts at age 13. And it incorporates a
1: religious iconography into the song. Or the music video, if you were. <laughs> Yeah, so this movie was a big deal for us, Uh, but it was not a big deal for the 90s because, wow, this movie sucks so
2: bad. It's so bad, and I think I realized, we only watched this movie like once or twice, Mm. and now I know why. We we just didn't like it. It's not good. Mm. It's, It's not good. And I remember our childhood friend loving that clown. I can't, I, I can't remember his name. Just clown? Is it clown? Clown. I don't know. It's
0: it's clown, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> he loved that clown. And even as a kid, I'm like, this thing is so annoying. I cannot stand
1: it. <laughs> We were not big uh, flatulent. Like, flatulence wasn't humor for us in movies. Now, for us in person, yes, very funny. But yeah, sure. when it was Absolutely. on TV, on TV and movies were just like, Eh. it's a
2: it's a step removed yeah
1: yeah no so yeah this character never really never really spoke to us going back and rewatch it i think my lucky stars that john leguizamo is in this movie because he is the only thing keeping you engaged at any point if he's not true. on the screen it's kind of like it's kind of like the dark knight when the when the clown's off the screen i'm kind of not caring
0: <laughs> Funny connection in the form of Michael J. White in a different oh, yeah. clown movie. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd have to agree with both of you. Uh, this movie is not good. Um, there's very little redeeming qualities to it other than maybe some novel special effects uh, for its time. Um, they're like, But it's so scattershot, in the quality of it. Yeah. It's difficult to sing the praises of it because it's like a few stray shots here and there that actually look like, oh, that looks pretty good sandwich between total fucking garbage yeah um, <laughs> yep. some of the makeup effects are pretty good as well but yeah i have to agree with you john leguizamo despite being somewhat annoying the energy that he's bringing to his performance gives it something mm-hmm. because not everyone else is trying quite as hard as he is uh, martin Sheen, as much as i love the guy and his his performances in general he's he's phoning it in. He's doing kind of generic supervillain shit where even his ha-ha-ha, like his villain laugh, is kind of half-hearted. Um, the fellow that plays Cogliostro, or Cogliostro, excuse me, um, he, I believe, has a background in giving these kinds of performances, and he actually acquits himself pretty well. But yeah, it's kind of amazing that you guys pointed out that you like even as children, this movie didn't work for you. Because yep. I kind of feel the same way. I, I've probably seen this movie an embarrassing number of times. I couldn't tell <laughs> you why. Probably had to do with like the time slot where it was on cable or yeah. something. I would just put it on every once in a while. Um, but yeah, it, it just gives you so little to grab hold of. Like it, it desperately doesn't want you to give a shit about it. And then on top of that, it doesn't help that 1997 was kind of an amazing year for movies. At least for me. Like, like I'll bounce this back to you guys in just a second, but just to like list some of this off, um, (laughs) Batman and Robin isn't a good place to start, but that did in (laughs) fact happen in 1997, but the lost world was a cinematic event for me. That was the first Jurassic park I got to see, I think, um, because I was a little too young when the first one came out in theaters, but that one, I got to see the lost world. I got to see in the theater on my birthday, on my 10th birthday, kind of a big deal, uh, Starship Troopers. Uh, was it- one of my friends' crazy dads took me to see that when I was like, <laughs> like, like very young. I got to see that in the theater too. Um, Fifth Element, Tomorrow Never Dies, Men in Black, like Con Air, Face Off, Dante's Peak. The list goes on Vegas and on. Vacation. 1997 was huge. Vegas, Vegas-, Vegas- v- <laughs> ja- Jackie Brown. I mean, you, yeah. guys, you guys were a Chevy
1: Chase household. Austin Powers: International Man of Mystery. Uh, I remember wow. watching that at our grandma and grandpa's, and us laughing our asses off. And then I remember watching it about a year ago with my wife, laughing my ass still, off. <laughs> still, it's still, still hilarious.
0: It's still hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still quite like it as well. Um, but yeah, 1997 was kind of a a big deal for I think all of cinema. But it doesn't help when when Spawn happens to be in that same company of films. But I do remember this getting a fair amount of hype back then. Uh, I have, i have he's still alive, <laughs> I have a cousin uh, who was really into the Todd McFarlane toys. I can't speak for the comic, like I don't know if he was a reader of the Spawn comics, of which this film is of course based, um, but I had a cousin who, who was collecting those toys and I was really impressed by the quality of those even though I didn't have any for myself. Um, but there was quite a lot of hype train behind this movie. And in fact, it did make some money. Um, so I, I figure I should ask you guys, aside from this movie, do you guys have any sort of connection to Spawn?
2: We don't. I don't. I, I, I don't. mean, as a kid, no. I I was going to say, Kyle, at the beginning of the... Uh, the when we started recording, you you mentioned Mortal Kombat. And I feel like Mortal Kombat is mentioned in every single <laughs> <laughs> episode that I am a part of but that's also another connection because spawn was a guest character in mortal kombat 11 and was easily my, my favorite character in that game he's it, just the design the cool the way they incorporated his cape and the chains and everything i'm like this is the coolest thing ever uh that's it
1: that's about all i have for spawn i I think either we, ha- I don't, maybe we didn't have the toy, but uh, our buddy, who really loved this movie, had uh, a toy of the clown that I really, really liked. I wanted to get my mitts on it so bad, but uh, yeah, we, we didn't really collect any of the toys from this. Mm-mm. Um
0: no. Man, well, your, your buddy sounds like a whole bundle of issues. I mean, he latches on to the clown, the clown, from, from the the entire co- cosmology of, of Spawn characters. In the entire Spawn mythos, he latches onto clown, and he's singing on the playground the Hellfire song
1: from, well, from fucking
0: Hunchback <laughs> of Notre
1: Dame. I think an over-the-top character in a lot of makeup was really intriguing to him as a kid. Um, A little
0: shit who gets away with things because he's an invincible demon. (laughs) Oh, now
1: let me be clear. He was a, like, Nick and I grew up in a pretty strict household. We were very well-behaved children. We were not spoiled. I remember him having a fucking meltdown when he was a kid. When he was supposed to pass his little swimming test. And if he passed his swimming test, he would get a toy. But, uh, or he would get two toys uh, but he didn't pass it, so he wasn't getting a toy. So he was screaming his face off in the backseat to get one toy. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is working? Like, <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> unfathomable <laughs> for me as a kid. Yes, he, he was actually a, a spoiled brat, uh, to be clear. Um, but he was also, like, into Marilyn Manson as uh, we got older. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was interested in the uh, the darker side of life at a young age. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a whole bundle of issues, as I had, as I put it. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, Nick, uh, bouncing back to what you had said about Spawn being featured in uh, MK11. Yeah, uh, that was a hell of a get because yeah, uh, people really turned out for that. Like people were thrilled uh, to see Spawn in that, and I feel like a lot of those people honestly aren't readers of the comics. They probably just it always comes back to it. he just looks cool. He just looks cool. That's it. He just looks cool. And it helps when Keith David is voicing him in the animated series or in the game, which was a hell to get again. But yeah, ultimately that's Spawn. Spawn just looks cool. Like, I don't care who you are. You like look the design up and down. It's like, yeah, it's kind of fucking cool. It's like, (laughs) I don't know what his deal is. His mythology is far too dense and arcane for anyone to really wrap their heads around it. But it's like that's the origin of the character. Uh like are you guys familiar with the Spawn comics like even at all? Like do you know the history of them at all? No. <laughs> all right, story time. I'll try to be quick so Kyle doesn't get bored and leave the room, which may happen. Uh, but, uh, go uh, ahead, But
1: uh, By the way, real quick, uh, the lighting that you have on your face makes you look like a femme fatale in like a 1940s film.
0: <laughs> it just it's... If, I, if I turn my head to the side, I look like Dark Man. <laughs> it's that light beam. I have a little box of light that's going directly into my fucking eyeballs that I'm desperately trying to block as I'm talking. So if I sound distracted, that would be why anyway image comics the story goes image comics is a independent comic publisher it was founded by todd mcfarlane and i don't know if you guys have ever seen an interview with todd mcfarlane but brace yourself because i'm probably going to be busting out a really shitty impression of him throughout this whole discussion because it always fucking makes me laugh i'm todd mcfarlane and i created spawn you know There's a darkness that resides in the hearts of all, man. (laughs) The darkness is a really fucked up place. (laughs) Anyway, Todd McFarlane uh, was a superstar artist. That's what they called him uh, back at Marvel in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, he was making them tons of money uh, because his art on Spider-Man was just the biggest selling point possible at the time. And he made them so much money uh, that he started to get wise to the fact that he was the selling point. It wasn't so much Spider-Man or the brand, it was his art that was driving sales. So uh, he, he, <laughs> d- he did up his bootstraps <laughs> and he convinced his buddy Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and a few other folks from other publishers and such uh, to all leave Marvel and come together to form Image Comics. And the whole concept of it was uh, all the comics published through them would be creator owned So the person who created Wolverine, I don't even know their name because it's been lost to time and they get no royalties for having made that character. All of it goes directly into the house of Mouse's pockets, uh, these days anyway. Um, The idea behind Image though, was that if you make a character and you write and design that character, it belongs to you. You can do with it as you will and profit from it. Uh, So I believe it was uh, Youngblood was Rob Liefeld's, uh, Wildcats was Jim Lee's. Uh, and Spawn, uh, Spawn belonged to Todd McFarlane, uh, and it was one of the earliest releases from Image Comics in 1992, uh, and it kicked all sorts of ass. The first issue of that, of that comic has sold millions of comics, and I've actually almost bought reprints of it and mailed them to Kyle on numerous occasions. I don't know why, I've just felt compelled to do that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, Image Comics still exists to this day. Um, Not many of their original creations from 1992 uh, currently exist. Spawn is among them, though. Uh, Spawn is still being published. It's passed 350 issues uh, as of this recording. Um, And in fact, uh, there have been rumors for probably half a decade now uh, of another Spawn film being made. And I'm sure you guys have had this come across your desk at one time or another. Talks of uh, Blumhouse being involved in the production and... Jamie Foxx being floated as potentially the new Al Simmons slash Spawn. Uh, Those talks are still real, uh, by the way. Uh, I don't know if Jamie Foxx is still on the table, um, but Blumhouse still is uh, potentially going to be putting out the movie. Uh, Although Todd McFarlane uh, has been talking recently about taking the thing uh, to foreign investors. Uh, So we'll see if that happens or what it'll look like. Anyway, that's the history of Image Comics, and mainly the point that I'm trying to drive home here is that in 1997 there was demand for this um, comics, in, in, particularly in the er, in the early 90s, uh, were were a boom industry that they, they were going through the speculator boom, as they call it, and by the time you get to 1997, it's a little bit late, um, but Spawn was a known quantity, and there was a lot of public interest in this, um, and we got the movie that we got. Uh, and as far as I understand, the cultural footprint of it is not vast, although I will say it did make some money. Anyway, let's talk Spawn. Uh, Anywhere and everywhere you'd like to go, guys.
2: I just want to go back to Todd um, he Todd McFarlane. He
0: was the visual designer for Venom as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Say. He created Venom. And he also was writing Spider-Man for a little bit as well. I actually do have his Spider-Man Omnibus
2: and... Listeners, you can't see, but this is what it looks like. I do, actually. I really like his art style. I I always kind of have. So,
0: I think I've actually read that very same comic that you're holding up right now. I think Nick was holding up the Marvel team-up issue, perhaps, of Spider-Man and Wolverine.
2: Yeah. Yep. It's a big old omnibus. I'm not sure. It's got the lizard. It's got him and Wolverine in Canada. Uh, There's. I even see Juggernaut in one of these.
0: So I actually have not read this. This whole
2: thing. Look, there's even Morbius.
0: Oh, everybody's favorite Morbius. It's (laughs) Morbin time. (laughs) It's Morbin time. (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) So, no, I actually do like his art style. Um, I remember he was doing interviews for, uh, I can't remember for what, but it was uh, Venom in, I want to say it was the Venom in Spider-Man 3. And he's like, oh, he hated it because he always wanted Venom to be super huge uh i haven't really heard him talk about spawn though so i'm curious to hear maybe what his thoughts are on the because i know there's probably other designs of spawn i'm just curious if he he feels like it needs to be a certain way or uh or not
0: well todd mcfarlane reportedly sold the film rights to spawn to to new line cinema who made this movie for a dollar in exchange for creative control not sure if that was wise (laughs) from a financial (laughs) standpoint although it needs to be said the man is quite wealthy Uh, I don't know if you guys heard this back in the day, but he was the fellow that was buying up all of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's home run balls uh, when they were doing the the home run chase. Millions of dollars on baseballs. He's a sports fan. Oh, so he's just going to keep them? He was just buying them to keep them? Or? Yeah, I like to keep baseballs in my basement. You know, they're, they're good investment pieces.
1: Yeah, uh, all those baseballs have an asterisk next to them. <laughs> so that's unfortunate. Yeah, those he...
0: guys were juicing at the time. <laughs>
1: pretty, pretty horrible. <laughs> if you go back and look at Mark McGuire in his prime, you're like, holy shit, how is it not obvious? This guy is a monster. <laughs> uh, so I I, I just want to give a plot summary real quick. Um, the devil... Uh, the a de- the devil gives uh, a mercenary powers to lead his army, and then the mercenary that he gave powers to defies him, but the devil just lets him have his powers.
0: Yeah, not especially well plot like well thought out plot there, but and in fact that speaks to the movie in general. <laughs>
1: but, but my question is the reason why I want to give you the plot is because I need to ask: Is this the actual story of Spawn in the comics?
0: See, I'm I'm somewhat hazy on it because I actually am not a reader of Spawn. As much as I've absorbed things through cultural osmosis, I've never really picked up an an issue of Spawn. I think the only ones I've read are the crossovers with Batman, which are canonical, by the way. Batman in canon has met Spawn uh, in some Frank Miller penned comics uh, back in the day, um, but yeah, I think it's fairly close, although some of the character relationships and dynamics are accelerated for the movie like for instance the clown uh, violator as far as i understand in the comics they didn't actually have beef until a little bit later like violator was just kind of farting around on earth doing his own thing and he came into conflict with spawn later Um, whereas in this he's like squarely positioned as somebody who has a relationship and potential conflict with spawn like from minute one uh I think the the Jason Wynn character martin Sheen that seems pretty accurate, and in fact he is kind of that character who he's uh, the Joker got away kind of character where it's like he there he has every reason to be killed within the first issue of the comic yet he is apparently like still alive to this day and uh malbolgia the devil or whatever you wanna call him. I think his role is pretty similar but yeah I think the I think the plot of of spawn being empowered and being supposed to be like a resource to be tapped into by malbolgia is something from the comics to some extent
1: okay because it doesn't make sense uh, in the movie no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no uh so i'll be completely honest with you i was checked out of this movie pff, 10 minutes into it uh so i have a Coward. side Uh, I have side, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I I was trying to, but I couldn't. So I have uh, different side quests that I went on while I was watching this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I just wanted to start with my first side quest, which was... What does DK Metcalf's candy diet consist of? Now, Trevor, DK Metcalf is the star wide receiver of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He is an absolute monster. He's uh, a monster. In an interv- he is a beast. Uh, he, in an interview, said they asked him what his diet was like. Now, you should look at a picture of this guy because he is a just a genetic freak. He's like 6'4, 250 pounds, ripped like a superhero. Uh, but he said in an interview, they're like, what's your diet like? He's just like, oh, I eat, uh, he's like, I eat one meal and then like just a bunch of bags of candy. And they're like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he did a uh, the GQ top 10 things you can't live without and he's like, that was kind of fabricated, but I do eat three bags of uh, <laughs> Jolly Rancher's gummy candy a day or something like that, so Kind of crazy, but that was my first side quest.
0: Yeah, genetics are not fair, folks, just so we're <laughs> clear. <laughs> they just absolutely are not fair. <laughs> I come from small stock. I, I I couldn't hope to achieve the shape that this man has.
1: See, Nick got the genetic lottery. He's, he's you know, relatively... He's average height, little uh, average height. He's got yeah. a great head of hair, great beard. But the downside is his back is like a fucking wildebeest like (laughs) it's
0: (laughs) yeah you know everything comes with pluses and minuses and dk dk metcalf uh still looking for those minuses but you know (laughs) like like, it seems to have worked out for him but yeah i like this i like this comment corner here kyle so comment corner (laughs) things to potentially google whilst attempting to watch spawn oh
1: dude (laughs) <laughs> I you wait till my next one dude it it I it was substantial <laughs> like
2: I don't know what happened. what's the last thing you remember in the movie
1: Oh I know this I've seen it I so this movie came on uh like when I was working in the service industry I would come home sometimes midday because it would be summertime and I'd only work the morning shift like into the early afternoon So this movie was just all, like on Showtime or HBO like it would just be on So I've had it on in the background several times. Like, I've just kind of been watching. So, I know what happens in this movie. It's, it's pretty straightforward and not hard to forget. So, I, I was reviewing it, but I didn't need to actively engage. I knew what was happening in the film.
2: I, I watched it. I paid attention. And there was a couple moments. There's quite a few where I'm like, this is actually, this is hilarious. Where he, like, 1v1 challenges the guard of this place. Like, he's trying to be stealthy, but he's, he just, like, comes up behind him and is like, hey, you one one v one let's go it's like what do you is this what are you
1: doing
0: is it this Did a they never bar? play
1: metal gear solid like <laughs> this is he's, not how you do
0: this see this is a very very uh, obscure reference only those who have experienced it firsthand would understand it but um nick i'm sure you'll get this one uh In the original Metal Gear Solid, uh, the grab and the throw button were the same. Oh, it was the worst. And the way the function worked (laughs) was if you were moving... I know this! (laughs) I forgot about that! (laughs) So if you were moving, say you ran up to a guard and you happen to still be moving just a hair, just just a scope, Just like your toe. While you tap that button, you would do a wrist lock flip. You would Steven Seagal the guard onto his head, onto the ground. And he would quickly get up and shoot you to death. He would kill you to death.
2: And alert everybody else in the process, too. You- what
0: you mean to do <laughs> is run up behind them, stop, like both feet planted, and then press the button so you can go, uh, 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 <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so you can pull- chunk them out and then break their neck. Do they
1: have, <laughs> side question Are there any more Medal of Honor games? And do they have them for the Switch? Because that might be the rest of my Saturday if they do
0: uh no i believe medal of honor died di- in the days of the wii they had a v I... they've got
1: a vr game
2: they had a new one uh oh they did yeah and i was like ooh, because it kind of looked like the old underground uh one where you're kind of like the best one yeah no, right you're <laughs> like a spy and like i need these documents you're to recover yeah it looked like that but uh yeah we'll never get that sorry kyle
0: yeah the medal of honor series uh, ran into some issues around the Call of Duty Modern Warfare yeah. era mm-hmm. games, like, yeah. the Xbox 360 era because Call of Duty was just rolling so, it was unstoppable and they, tr- yeah. they actually tried to imitate it and they failed yeah. spectacularly Contro- so they kind of shuttered the franchise around that time
1: Controversial opinion, I fucking hate Call of Duty, every iteration I fucking hate it, it, it it's, it's the it's, worst game it's, it's,
0: it make, They make you feel old now uh, I don't know if you've tried one recently, but they make you feel so goddamn old trying to handle those controls because everything is so goddamn fast and everybody's doing parkour and sliding and shit. Everybody's baseball sliding all over the place. Like, it's fucking nuts.
1: There's no joy. There's no... I played it in my 20s. I'm like, my buddy, that's all he would do after as soon as he get off work. That's all we do is try to play Call of Duty. I'm like, this is the worst fucking video game ever. I do not get it. It's insane.
0: <laughs> you were microdosing cocaine while you're Ugh. playing the game. That's Ugh. That's how it's engineered to be. And yeah, it, it doesn't work for me anyway spawn <laughs> back to <laughs> 1997 <laughs> the age of the original medal of honor very good game um so i have i have a pattern here that we can follow i can talk some real shit and you guys can shit all over it okay. <laughs> so just to give some more background uh, the movie is directed by mark Depay, uh who is from uh, i believe ilm uh, industrial light and magic and he did work on jurassic park among other films of note. Uh, especially in terms of special effects quality, and it's my understanding that that's basically how he got the gig was that this is going to be a special effects intensive film. Mm. We need an expert in this still, you know, somewhat nascent industry of CGI effects and whatnot. Uh-huh. So let's get this guy who's never made a fucking film before, mind you, uh, <laughs> to direct it.
1: Okay. Well, let, let, let's just let's talk about the uh, the effects for a little bit. I think that's a good place to start. There's uh, a, lot, cool. a lot of fire. There's fire everywhere. Uh, okay. Express okay. elevator to hell. <laughs> okay. Going down. Okay. <laughs> All right. So some of this looks really cool and really neat. Some of this there is a crime. Like, how did you pay money for them to do this? The hell? The hell. What the hell? is that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so the story goes uh they ran out of time and money no shit and entirely uh, completely they were <laughs> they were completely out of resources apparently the last shots of violator uh were turned in uh like a week before the movie was released it was that tight um and the hell sequences are horribly rushed. They're borderline incomprehensible, mm-hmm. especially in the finale of it, where the, the oh, shot yeah. structure and the editing yes. and just the way the elements are combined is it's garish and ugly. It hurts your eyeballs. It hurts. It it, it hurts you on a physical level to try to comprehend what you're being shown. When <laughs> co- when Cogliostro gets tossed yes. into the oblivion ah. or whatever, ah. that is a JPEG <laughs> that is being spun and dissolved. It it is hideous. It it is true. It's sad. It's just really sad. It's really sad. It's pathetic. It's what it is. Uh, <laughs> but Go ahead. as I, as we said at the top of the conversation, that sequence is horrendous. It it's it's every shot in there is terrible. It doesn't help all the all the shitty spawn soldiers doing their their wiggly like wwf raw <laughs> fan yeah. thing in the, in the crowd or whatever all of that looks like ass but as kyle had mentioned there are some elements to the effects work that are really pretty good it's just a shame that's so grossly inconsistent
1: so what was the reasoning okay so um uh michael Chai white's character uh what's al it? simmons al simmons uh, Al Bundy. <laughs> uh, Spawn. Uh, Spawn. He, so, like we said at the top, Spawn has an awesome character design. Like, he looks super cool. 90% of this movie is his roasted head. Like, it's, it, I mean, it looks good. Don't get me wrong. Like, the makeup looks good. But why is he running around without his mask on most of the movie?
0: Okay, so I have a theory about this, and it ties into things that I know, for a fact, Kyle, you don't give two shits about. Maybe, Nick, being as you're a Spider-Man fan, maybe you have some interest in these things. Um, in, In the MCU era of superhero movies, there's a thing that is readily apparent, like, even to casual viewers of these movies. The superheroes are often without their helmets. Like, Thor has been seen wearing his helmet in those movies a couple of times Mm. iron man almost always has his helmet off for some fucking reason unless robert downey jr wants to hang out at craft services that day and they couldn't get him or something so it's like let's just animate the whole thing or something same goes for every other hero in like the modern age of superhero movies they find excuses to show them somewhat out of uniform and i think it comes down to like contracts or yeah it probably has to do with like actor contracts or something wanting to be seen and given a chance to give a performance like from behind the makeup or whatever problem is that spawn always looks like a burnt turd (laughs) uh so even with the helmet off or mask or whatever you want to call it necroplasmic helm (laughs) uh, even with that removed you're looking at a fucking turd the whole movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> frankly, I don't know if Michael Jai White felt this helped him emote or give a better performance. It's clear that he tried. I don't know how hard, um, but in this case, yeah, it, it's it is somewhat dissatisfying to see him portrayed in that manner, to see this character represented in that way. Kyle
2: actually had messaged me, and he, whenever he first started watching, he's like, "This is so boring." And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I don't remember it being this boring. It's because he's never actually in the suit doing anything. There's like maybe one or two parts where he actually is in the suit and fighting or or whatever, doing something.
1: 40% of the movie is convincing them that he's dead. It takes him way (laughs) too long to figure out that he's dead
0: yeah i'm really glad you pointed that out kyle because even as a kid that was maddening just how long he's like stumbling around grasping his chest and being like just kind of like puking in the street
1: so (laughs) was this uh incompetence on on behalf of the director or was this what we see now where we don't really give folks uh, like the mcu it's like you give people two and a half hours of a movie there's not a real conclusion to it because we're all building up to this this main thing. Do you think this was kind of like we're gonna introduce you to the lore and the world of Spawn? We're gonna give you a little bit of a story, but we're saving this for more movies because the end scene is just like there's gonna be more Spawns. Like we're we're gonna do more of these. So what do you what your, what's your take on that?
0: Okay, I do have thoughts on this. I'm glad you brought it up. So. I did notice some things. I very foolishly took notes while watching this movie. Uh, Kyle was Googling important matters like DK Metcalf's <laughs> diet or, or cheat diet for that matter. More specifically. Oh, no, it's his diet. Uh, I was taking notes on this bitch. Um, bad move on my part. A oh, waste I, of time. I I'll have notes. I have notes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're all about
0: football. <laughs> but, but, but they're notes. <laughs> but um, I noticed in the script there is a, a gross amount of repetition. Uh, they're constantly reminding you of things that you don't need to be reminded of. It, it's, it's as if they have no faith in the audience to be able to keep up. Because we have a one-two punch in the form of Cogliostro narrating just random scenes sprinkled throughout, yeah. just providing exposition. A lot of it's redundant. And then the two that comes behind the one on that comes in the form of Martin Sheen and D.B. Sweeney constantly talking about this virus that's going to Destroy the world if Martin Sheen gets killed and it gets brought up a half dozen times and it's like we've been shown this we've been told this it's been demonstrated to us can we just move on and it's clear that either the director or the producers felt that the movie was incomprehensible and needed needed that repetition in order for it to work I think it just bogs it down and, and robs it of any sort of momentum but the other part of it is something that we're still like somewhat mired in honestly like we're maybe only getting uh, getting to a point where we're moving past it now is origin story cinema when it comes to super the the pattern of superhero movies is this was that the early days where studios felt that in order to tell a superhero story we need to show them from like conception to to whenever they put on the costume case in point a movie we'll be talking about shortly Uh, The Punisher 2004 he's technically not the Punisher in that movie until the last shot of the movie Mm -hmm. it happens in many other superhero movies and this is a case where they probably should have in fact I know they should have and Todd McFarlane probably should Todd McFarlane uh, probably should have asked them to do what they did in the comics and as far as I understand they do it in like media res in that in the comics. Spawn just exists and we will get you up to speed with Spawn later. In this movie, though, it's like, no, we need, we need to take them from step one to the end of the line. Like, we need to show them every step of the Spawn. Uh, and it, Todd McFarlane has not been shy about saying that, especially in more recent days, he kind of wishes that, that Spawn was basically a Punisher-type character. Like, he likes the idea of Spawn just being a thing that hides in the darkness and is in two panels of a comic, like, tell a story about some bad people doing bad things, and then the last panel of the comic is Spawn shows up and rips their fucking head off or something. That's kind of no. what he prefers, he would have preferred to have done with Spawn. But you see, there was merchandising to be done, and <laughs> toys to be made, to, and profited from, so he could buy some baseballs, <laughs> and buy some dingas, knocked out by some of those steroid freaks back in the 90s, you know. <laughs> anyway, like, that's my theory on the whole thing. Okay. What, what is another one of your uh, Google Google like rabbit holes that went down when you're watching the movie Kyle?
1: We haven't gotten there yet. There's you're saving out. it I'm, sa- I'm saving it. Um, so uh, I was saying last week when we did the crow was that last week? Well, whenever we did the crow, a surprise Marilyn Manson didn't show up in that uh, in that movie. Oh he shows up in this one. Um, and it, yeah. yeah, it's the, uh, long hard road out of hell is the, is the, I think it's playing over the opening credits.
0: Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk soundtrack. Kyle, Cause I know this is something you have a lot more to say about than I do. Um, Marilyn Manson's featured twice in the film. In fact, uh, he gets a whole sequence in the middle of it. Um, it's just a random pseudo montage. It's not cut tightly enough to be called a montage. It's just scene where spawn walks down an ugly alley. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he also gets the end credits as well
1: Uh, brilliant marketing because the uh, people listening to Marilyn Manson at the time would be interested in this movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is pre-corn correct? no no? no okay because I was about to say I'm sure there's some crossover there as well in Uh, fact Todd McFarlane Todd McFarlane uh, did the cover art for one of their most famous albums uh, if memory serves
1: issues probably
0: it's the one with the girl playing hopscotch off the cliff
1: that's issues oh. no that's not issues sorry follow the leader sorry that's follow the leader i, I, was a know. Big yeah, I believe fan. that was <laughs> i believe
0: that was him who did the art for that i, I did uh, know yeah that. no
1: corn uh, corn were about to be huge the next year uh, with the Fall of the Leader album, that's with the uh, Freak on a Leash music video, which just bleh, just just exploded them into the mainstream. But no, Life is Peachy was 1996, and their self-titled album Corn was 1994. Both pretty good albums at the time. Probably not good to go back and listen to now because new metal sucks. Uh, but at the time, <laughs> those were good albums.
0: Corn <laughs> uh, walked, so Papa Roach could run. <laughs> <laughs> He's got jokes. He's got jokes. Uh, But, Nick, just to bring you back into the conversation. I took notes. I took notes, guys.
2: I committed. I committed myself to the process and subjected myself to the entirety of the movie, paying attention to the details. Like, I laughed when all the people came off that plane that he killed, which were just, like, the tropiest. I felt like I was watching, uh, what what is the Leslie Nielsen? uh, Spy Hard. Naked Gun? Naked Gun or police academy one of those i can't remember w- w- which one it is that he does but it's it, it felt like that
0: and then yeah he blew up the iron sheik didn't yeah he, he, he did <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking bullshit <laughs> <laughs> oh oh uh speaking of that um did you guys know that there is a director's cut of spawn what does it include
1: two minutes it I almost, I was going to rent it, but you have to buy it. And it's like two minutes of, uh, of stuff. So no, I didn't watch that.
0: So I looked up, there's a, mo- there's a website called movie dot uh, that often, often includes details about alternative cuts of movies. So I actually looked up the differences between the two, uh, for the record, I have not seen the director's cut. Uh, I only just became aware that it even exists, but sounds like it's just straight up better. Um, because I did notice mm-hmm. some wonky edits uh upon this viewing of the movie like the first one that really jumped out at me was the reason i'm talking about this now is the airport sequence that opens the film after after the fire pit i believe um anyway when uh when al simmons when he breaks into the control tower for the airport and he shoots the guards the cuts there are like there's information missing like we see a gun we see a close-up of a gun we see some sparks and then people are dead yeah it's like there is a squib missing here yeah Uh, and i'm pretty sure it's included in the director's that that
2: actually stuck out to me as well because i remember seeing the one guard who looked like he was holding his ears and, and then he fell over and i was like did he even get did like even in the in the scope of the movie i'm like did he even get hit
0: just- exactly. It's, it's unreadable. Yeah. It, it doesn't play well. Like it, your brain needs more information to understand what just happened. And then on top of that, uh, during that same sequence, and we can move on after this, um, there are like women in skimpy dresses who, are, who get like, close-ups coming off the plane in the director's cut. So yeah. basically it's emphasizing that more, more civilians yeah. were harmed. And that's why Al Simmons is upset, because it wasn't supposed to be a civilian aircraft. It was supposed to be strictly, quote, bad guys. Which is important for the storytelling, like that's necessary. But it seems like perhaps like the studio got gun shy. It is a superhero movie in 1997. We weren't really doing R-rated superhero movies until, you know, I mean, we're still kind of having some trouble with that these days. But like, it wasn't exactly commonplace to do that back then. So I'm guessing they were like, eh, maybe we should make it less violent. Like, we, you could do whatever you want to that clown and that violated thing, but like when it comes to people, let's let's, let's rain it back a
2: little bit. So I have a couple notes of like some things that stuck out to me. I, I did appreciate the the '90s tech, like the technology that they used. It just just felt like so plastic and and like a toy. All these movies had the same type of thing. I remember what is it like an er- eraser <laughs> where Arnold is using these guns. I'm like, this just looks this looks insane. Uh, I just <laughs> a
0: miniature rail gun. <laughs> it shoots with magnets. I kill you with magnets. How do they work? <laughs> your luggage (laughs) Ah, that's a future episode maybe kyle would you be down to do eraser someday (laughs) i've never seen it what it's okay it's not great (laughs) it's late era schwarzenegger it's like pre end of days schwarzenegger but like it's between true lies and end of days kind of so not fully fully off the rails but getting there
1: i feel like true lies was his last good one uh if I can remember correctly. I think that was pretty much it as far as fun action goes.
0: Yeah, it certainly wasn't collateral damage. (laughs) Saw that one in the theater. Okay. My mom loves me. She took me to see collateral damage. (laughs) Wow. Um,
1: So my next side quest uh, was... I was looking up how tall is John Leguizamo because... Him is the clown, yeah. like, he's always hunched down, so he seems super small. I'm like, oh, he must be a really tiny guy. He's only 5'8". Like, he's not, I mean, that's short, but that's not like, I thought he was, like, five. That's like my height. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 5'7". Like, it's, it's, not, it's not tall. <laughs> but I was thinking he was much shorter than that. Um, but that somehow led me to uh, the best of Greg Giraldo. Uh, if you don't what? know who Greg Giraldo is, I don't I think it because they had somebody else's height, a comedian, then they had like just randomly Greg Giraldo's height. I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, Greg Giraldo was 5'10? Okay, cool, but oh, they have a compilation of all of his roasts. It's 30 minutes. I'm like, shit, that'll eat up quite a bit of this movie. So I watched 30 minutes of Greg Giraldo roasting celebrities. And guys, it was great. It was so much fun. I seen him do quite a few of the roasts, but I had forgotten about the jokes. He was he was an amazing he was a amazing jokester, um, gone too soon unfortunately, but uh, very very funny. <laughs> that's messed up, man. You're over here watching comedy things, and
2: me and Trevor watching the movie. Doing I've seen work.
1: it, I've seen the movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know what happens. <laughs> Spawn is not a myth. I've seen it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's actually a good opportunity to talk about the makeup, and I guess John, John Lake was ammo. So he plays clown in the movie slash violator Uh, a very important character from the comics as far as i understand um i think the typical portrayal of the character is more menacing than this Uh, i've seen a handful of episodes of that hbo animated spawn series from back in the day which is quite good i think it i think it was up for an emmy or maybe it won one back in the day uh i forget maybe was it like mark hamill invo- involved in the voice cast he may have been the clown i'm probably wrong on that but keith david was definitely spawned. anyway uh this portrayal of the character is very much of the time or at least a few years past the time of jim carrey and the the rubber man stick the 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 manic pixie rubber man uh, if you will from the late 90s uh, the jim carrey kind of Kick the door down for and and a lot of movies found excuses to have this like kind of manic like wild wild man personality embedded in the cast in some fashion a living cartoon character basically mm-hmm. like the mask uh, in whatever movie that didn't warrant having a mask character in it um, the makeup effects for everybody in the movie as far as I understand were done by K and B uh, which is Greg Nicotero's uh, makeup effects crew uh, they're massively well accomplished and they did a very good job here i think anyway uh, there's certain times when john lake was almost hairline looks a little funky yeah. like you can tell he's wearing a cone yeah, head like thing ch- on top of his head it, where it doesn't quite it's not seamless mm-hmm. um but he he does what he can within the confines of the makeup and his posture looks man i'm sure his back was cracking after every take in this movie because like, his knees are bent. He's doing, like, a deep squat in, like, every shot that he's in. Because he does effectively sell the short stature of the character, even though, as Kyle said, the actor portraying him is not that. Um, I thought some of some of his riffs were actually kind of funny. Uh, I was kind of upset that he didn't get uh, enough close-ups. Because the makeup can can hold up to it. Um, but for some reason, a lot of his scenes with Spawn like, are, are shot like uh, like in master style where like the camera's like pulled all the way back and you see him both head to toe which is kind of nice i guess but i was i was kind of wanting for for my more facial close up of the character uh, but yeah he's mostly annoying but he does have his times every now and again where he has some some funny lines here and there. Kyle's shooting me a skeptical look I, here. I, I, for gonna... some reason, that, that D-E-D dead, the, the delivery of that line, just for some reason just lives rent-free in my head. The D-E-D dead. <laughs> like for some reason, that just stuck with me all these years. I, yeah. yeah, I'm going to push actually... back on that. <laughs> I, I actually chucked at a couple as well.
2: Ones I probably should not have, but that's fine. You know. I,
1: I was like Harrison Ford watching this, just like... Did not, just nothing with his character I'm like he was trying to make me laugh I'm just like nothing just, just, how does just, it work John? Uh, yeah, how does it work?
0: <laughs>
1: it's, he's so obnoxious uh, he's trying to be funny I'm glad he, he, he made you guys chuckle That that's good at least he, he got you guys but no he was driving me insane um, with his jokes uh, but don't get me wrong I still appreciate his energy when he's br- he's the only one actually trying is, in this yeah. movie I mean, he and the Satan worshippers in the in the cemetery are the only people actually trying in this movie.
0: Yeah, I do like just, just toss it out there. I do like that line where they're they're running up to him in the graveyard and he's like, Why does God get all the good followers and hell gets all these R words? <laughs> that's what I laughed at. <laughs> that's the part I was I like, like at. that's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a bunch of Satanist assholes. <laughs> That's the part that got me up. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, I think part of the problem with some of the performances, unfortunately, comes from the quality of the makeup, is that these actors are struggling. Like, I I don't know how John Rhys-Davies felt having to portray Gimli in the Lord of the Rings films. Like, His performance shines through in those movies, but any time you're doing that full-body transformation makeup job, that requires like eight hours in the chair every single day, it, it fucks you up. Like like Kyle, you had mentioned that uh, The Grinch really fucked with Jim Carrey. Like it, it caused him a lot of pain and stress to have to don that makeup every time he had to go out in front of the camera. And here we have the two main characters of the movie both having to do that f- throughout the entirety of the film. Uh, it, it's evident that both of them were pretty stressed out and actually in some some degree of physical pain, having to do these performances. Like, uh, I've read that John Leguizamo had like sores and calluses develop on parts of his body. The the suit wasn't heat regulated as a lot of those suits often are. So he was like sweating profusely, like he was wearing a Godzilla costume or something. So he was was being tortured every single take and Michael Jai White, probably the same fucking deal. Uh, and you can tell that Michael Jai White, as charismatic as he can be, there's something being taken away from him. Like, I don't know if he's just half-heartedly approaching the performance, but you can tell he's not entirely showing up. Well,
1: his only direction is be exasperated, be negative, and have your eyes half-closed the whole time. I'm like, there's there's nothing to his character. That Like, he kind of brings it down,
0: unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think you should have taken it one of two directions either make him like full ass dark where he's he's a monster or do the other thing where make it a superhero movie and play up the stuff that they only barely touch on where he's discovering his powers and kind of enjoying it a little bit but even like when he gets shot to shit and he falls in the kitchen and his bullet wounds heal up he gives like a hell yeah or or, like damn "Damn." it's like that wasn't that good like on paper that seems like a moment that you should be like yeah it's like man how did you fuck that up
1: does does he enter the warlord party by doing a front flip and shooting machine guns
0: yes okay yes he does trailer shot yeah your entrance was good his was better uh yeah, that he, was
1: a great entrance
2: he actually crashes through the ceiling just like what was it batman forever forever
1: forever yeah, yeah. i still right think down. that that yeah. I think Batman Forever wins it, though. That was pretty, pretty badass. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, that one has the advantage of the superior production design.
1: (laughs) Batman Forever
0: has a lot of love and attention to detail in the production design. Probably much higher budget. Um, And on top of that, it was all live stunt work. Like that that gag of, of the Batman stunt actor coming down through the ceiling and stuff, into the fountain, like, that was just really cohesive and well done. Whereas oh. the Spawn one, it's like, they're entirely relying on the whiz-bang factor of the CGI cape and stuff to sell the entire illusion. Yeah. Because the location is boring as shit to look at, to be quite frank. It's entirely just the cape. And it's like, it's it's good, but it's it is... Your your interest is in good, is better. So,
1: I I do like the way that uh, the movie starts out with the clown. You don't see clown. You just see yeah. President Kennedy. No, sorry, that's Martin Sheen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only people who have seen the Goonies will get that. Uh, but he he's just talking to the clown. He's like smoking a cigar, and you you kind of see a little bit of his face, but it's not clear. I think that's a really cool way to introduce that character. Um, I I found it kind of. So you guys think that he's kind of funny. I think he's kind of spooky. I think he's kind of creepy, and I think that's more of uh, John, Legu- John Leguizamo's strengths uh, with his character. Is he's trying to be funny and obnoxious, but like here he's menacing when you're introduced to him, and then when he gets pissed at Spawn later, I'm like the way he kind of turns. I'm like that's pretty good
0: yeah i'm really glad you brought that up because i i totally forgot about that but there is something going on with the performance that kind of reminds me of the jack nicholson joker there Mm -hmm. where it's it's just what you said kyle where he he is a clown but then every once in a while he taps into this like realness that it's like oh he's also a monster yeah and like i like that bit like the you want to get nuts let's get nuts sequence in batman 89 there's that pause where it's like Oh, I think he hurt his feelings a little bit. He touched a nerve. <laughs> it's like, oh, you gotta die. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, he does do that from time to time. But the filmmaking kind of steps all over his performance because I noticed like a really bizarre thing where some of the editing tramples some good material. Like the best example that comes to mind is exactly what you were alluding to there, where when he gets really pissed at Spawn. And he turns into violator to fuck him up to teach him a lesson he has this whole spiel where he's basically threatening him and saying i'm gonna rip you apart and the way he's framed the way he's giving his performance you kind of believe it Mm -hmm. like it's like he's he's getting ready to do something and then the dog runs up Mm. and there's an extra beat that breaks the tension completely and then he gets shot and he falls down he gets up and then he picks it up again it's like my God, you just robbed him of any sort of momentum during a actually legitimately kind of interesting moment. For sure. And on top of that, like, sorry to, like, be rolling so, with such a head of steam here, but I don't want to lose this. Um, Something that I, I feel like maybe they didn't understand as well in 1997 that studio <laughs> studios hire Redditors these days, I'm pretty sure. Like, obsessive types that... that when it comes to media franchises and stuff they hang out on the message boards they know all the shit that the fans know and it's in their best interest to appease the fans so what i'm alluding to here is fan service in 1997 i don't think they gave a shit they just wanted to make movies and make money these days it's like you have small easter eggs that you please people by including like you please the super fans by including and it's just simple things like playing up the grandeur of certain reveals. Like in this movie, the first time you see the cape, the Sp- the spawn cape, which because of the complications in rendering it in CGI in 1997, I'm guessing they used very sparingly in this movie, such that spawn often looks kind of neutered uh walking around without it yeah. <laughs> throughout a lot of the movie because they couldn't do it practically cuz if we're being honest, the physics of his cape uh betrayed the physics of reality. It's yeah. kind of the concept of it <laughs> from an artistic standpoint. Um, the first time you see the cape in the movie it's at a distance and it's just like a a clumsy insert shot of a stuntman running along a rooftop it's just like a a second of just cape it's it's not when he comes through the roof and like reveals himself to like the What'd you call it? <laughs> like the arms dealer party, or whatever. The warlord, <laughs> warlord, warlord party. Warlord, yeah, party. yeah. Uh, it, it's not that, which should be a grand reveal. You know, it's it's that thing that everybody who knows anything about Spawn would be anticipating and being like, "Oh, he did the cape! Oh, he did the choke slam! Oh, he did the people's elbow! Oh, he did the Stone Cold <laughs> Stunner! He said the thing!" No, keep like, going.
1: Keep they, going. They they more. Did. <laughs> they more.
0: Oh, he did the shop shooter. Oh my God, he did the sweet chin music. Oh my God, he did the tombstone. Oh my God, he did oh, the Batista guys. bomb. Oh my God, Stop he did it. the pedigree. Yeah. Oh my God, he did the red arrow. Oh my God, he did the last ride. Oh my God, he did the DDT. Oh my, oh
2: my, oh my God, he did the calls. Stop from it. Hell. He's already dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for indulging me. Kyle. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is, you're right. The first time we see Clown, he is shot in shadow, and it's actually kind of cool. Like it's interesting. We're like, who is that? What's his deal? He looks gnarly, and why is Martin Sheen, who seems to be such a tough guy, kind of subservient to him? And then I think he just shows up later like there's no reveal there's no like stepping out of the shadows or like a his foot steps into the frame and then we like tilt up and we show his face like lit perfectly and there's no reveal there's no like oh my god it's the fucking clown it's like oh it, he just he just walks around a corner and says hi which is a way to do things i mean case in point batman returns First time we see the penguin in that movie, he turns and he goes, "Hi, hi!" It's yeah. <laughs> <That's> great. Yeah, <laughs> different movie though. I, very, very different movie. I
2: was very disappointed. Very horny movie. I, I was very disappointed by the the warlord party, Kyle, as you call it, because it's like, yeah, he comes through, he, he crashes through the ceiling, and he's like, and it's like, okay, let's let's see what you got, and then he just gets his ass beat. He he gets shot. He stumbles in the kitchen. He falls over. And then he finally gets a good shot on on the girl, and um, and then after he kills her, it's like what he just runs away, and then he's outside he's on the building, he's scampering around, he's like oh god, what do I do? I'll, I'll hide, and
0: then I'm like what do you? This is lame. This yeah. he's incompetent. You and you suck. Swan- that, wor- <laughs> that works for spider-man yeah like that, that that's very endearing when you see toby Maguire get the hang of his powers and stuff and and fail at jumping across rooftops that's endearing fucking hell should not be made to look like a chump and he is made to look like a dumbass chump throughout he, he, a lot of the first half of this movie He is
1: so spider-man is a good way for me to give you my last side quest real quick uh, which is uh, Willem Dafoe's Criterion Closet Picks. And I'll just go ahead and give them to you real quick. Uh, Anibaba, the, le- uh, the Leopard, Ashes and Diamonds, Pickpocket, Gate, uh, Gate of Flesh or Gates of Flesh, uh, three films by Roberto uh, Rossellini starring Ingrid Bergman, The Devil's Backbone, Mirror, The Piano Teacher, Eight and a Half, The Last Temptation of Christ, and The Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu. There you go. Thank you, thank you. You're
0: welcome. about what at least two of those feature him, yeah, not not that many, but at least at least like two of
1: them. two of them are him, yes, yeah,
0: yeah no I, Kyle had texted me that earlier uh, before we started recording, and I watched it, and my God, that man is endearing, like, he's he is so, so affable. affable, so affable, yeah, yeah, he's a kid in a candy store hanging out in that criterion closet, and i I just liked how decisive he was, where he mm-hmm. just like would yank one off the shelf and he'd be like. I love this. I want this. And it's like, wow, he's, he's not dilly-dallying. He's not he's not farting around like a lot of people do that where they're just like kind of like, "Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good." Him, he's just like, "No, I love this. This is great. I love this too." <laughs> I did like
2: the the what's her name? The I think her name was Priest. Her line, the "Hot lady." Yeah. Yeah, right before she gets shot, she's like, "You don't have the guts." Um, oh my god. I'm like, "Lady, you are Face to face with a man that you, sh- uh, you <laughs> shot, set on fire, exploded. He's wearing a necroplasm demonic suit with an impossible cape. I don't think he. I don't think he
1: cares. <laughs> I don't think he gives a <laughs> shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. In my notes, Kyle, I was referring to that woman as Munisha. Yeah, you know, it's not <laughs> Munisha, <laughs>
1: but it looks just like Munitia. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. I was like, is that munition? I'm like, that that might be munition. I have, to, I have to double check on that. Yeah, she needs to dump a clip in this fool. Because, uh, yeah, you, you tried to, you murdered him. You need to make sure he doesn't murder you. Because he's probably pissed.
0: Yeah, that man is really pissed. That uh, man it, is it,
1: really pissed.
0: Yeah, the, the choreography of that sequence is just all sorts of, because yeah. yeah you're, you're right he's sh- he gets shot he make he's made to look kind of shitty and then like when it comes time to like fight her i don't know again if this was like a product like a producer censorship thing like they were gun shy about having him strike a woman or something uh, even a woman who is shoot actively shooting him <laughs> but like they have that bit where she tries to kick him in the nuts and his his belt bites her her, her shin yeah, yeah. and then he like grabs her and he just kind of like gingerly like goes and eh against the wall and yeah. then he goes in eh, like kind of like lightly sets her down on the floor <laughs> it's like what the fuck is this fight choreography and remember this is michael jai white he's a very accomplished martial artist he can do things when he's asked to and he's asked to do things in this movie exactly two times in the form of some chuck like patented chuck norris roundhouse kicks yeah. that he gets to do exactly twice in the movie yeah. it's but
1: sad it's pathetic but that's it there's no more interesting scenes i guess maybe the the chase the motorcycle chase thing well
0: no actually i'm not a fan of the chase i like the the reveal of violator i think the finale is terrible uh i like the way violator gets his gets depacketed at the end that was actually legitimately somewhat creative yep but the, but the reveal of Violator and that first sequence with the gothic architecture in the rain, mm-hmm. a, a CGI effects artist's best fucking friend in the 90s, rain. Look at Jurassic Park. A lot of those effects wouldn't look half as good without the fucking rain. But yeah, the architecture and the rain and the lightning storm and stuff, those first couple of shots of him squaring off with Spawn are pretty cool. It gets shitty, though, when they fall off the roof immediately and the clown gets impaled... By accident and then does a disappearing act because i'm guessing it was too expensive to render him moving around too much so let's just have him teleport and not be in most of the shots so, but, so it's like it's so scattershot but the violator
1: looks like Pumpkinhead. like it's a very similar creature design
0: it is but remember it's actually comics accurate like he looks like he's supposed to um, and the the surface detailing they did on him and the animation work is okay it helps that they built a full-scale animatronic for like close-ups again same guy who did Jurassic Park so they did the exact same routine for conveying the effects of the monster and I think they're somewhat good it's just again it, it's sometimes great sometimes straight-up awful uh, and also apparently the director's cut features more of it um, Funny connection, we, we mentioned Spider-Man not that long ago. Uh, Michael Papajohn uh, plays Miko Hughes' dad in this. If you don't know who Miko Hughes is, he's like New Line Cinema's go-to fucked up child actor.
1: Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina.
0: Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. That would be Miko Hughes. Uh, here he's playing normal ass kid. Normal ass homeless kid. Uh, kind of a rarity in his filmography if i'm being honest yeah uh, i've seen modern day interviews with him and he seems like the most ad- well-adjusted nice guy okay. like i'm I'm glad that his his childhood of playing really fucked up kids seems to have had no bearing on his adulthood so good on him it's kind of rare for child actors yeah but michael uh, papajohn go ahead
1: sorry the polar opposite of that is uh cory feldman but continue oh.
0: Yeah, Corey Feldman would be the polar opposite of that. Uh, probably going to insert uh, a song clip at this point in the podcast. Gotta do it. And go! What's up with the youth? What's up with the youth? What's up with the youth? What's up with the And we're back! <laughs> and we're back! <laughs> so, uh, Michael Papajohn, I wouldn't expect you guys to know who that is, but he has a recognizable bone structure. Uh, Nick, oh, yeah, I know him. He, yeah, yeah. You I, know him. I know exactly what you're talking about. He's the thug. He's the,
2: the f- guy that gets killed. He's the fellow
0: who shot Yeah, he's the fellow who shot Uncle Ben in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. Uh, Connections. Revolutions. Uh, he plays Miko Hughes' dad in this. And in the director's cut, like, in the theatrical cut, he gets picked up by Violator in the middle of that fight, and he gets, like, like a fucking maraca or something, just shh. Um, in the director's cut, apparently he gets socked in the face a few times. <laughs> like he gets not only shook, uh, he gets like whoosh, 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 like knuckles to the fucking face from this giant monster. He's uh, got the face for it. I must have watched.
2: I must have watched that one because I rented it off YouTube. And he, yeah, he gets picked up, he gets shaken, and then he, yeah, he, he punched him around a few times. And I just remember thinking. Why? Why Why is he doing this? <laughs> oh, <why? laughs>
1: this is for Uncle <laughs> Stop!
0: You're not fighting him. What are you doing? <laughs> Spider-Man will handle that in like five years. Just give it time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, as far as things I liked, that that's probably the standout yeah. sequence is like most of the things involving Violator. Again, the way he meets his end in the movie. I do like the choreography. Like on a conceptual level, that's kind of clever. I like that Spawn uses his power, his suit that could do anything, uh, to depacketate him. That was pretty cool. But that chase is kind of ass. Like it feels like filler. Like like we like some producer said, you gotta you gotta blow some shit up, buddy. Like 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 nobody cares. Um, but yeah, beyond that, there's not a whole lot of other positives I could note. Um, a lot of negatives though, as we've as we've mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, I will say the the score is not half bad. I didn't notice the licensed music as much uh, as you probably did, Kyle. But uh, Graham Revell uh, oh. did the uh, the score for the movie, and it I will say it does have a decent score for its time.
1: Uh, I'm getting better at picking out uh, scores and picking out yeah. uh, conductors. Uh- <laughs> Uh, composers, uh, more accurately. So I was looking up who did the, I was watching the abyss last night, obviously. Uh, and Alan Silvestri did the, uh, did the score for that. And there was a certain beat. There was a certain little, little moment there. And I'm like, that sounds like that's from predator. So I'm like, well, I got to see if that is the same composer as predator. And it was, so I'm, I'm getting an ear for it.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's an important facet of, of cinema. Like, at least mainstream cinema, anyway. I, I really enjoy paying attention to scores. And actually, I did not know that. I've never actually <laughs> listened to the score for The Abyss. I've seen the movie exactly one time. I, I'm i very excited for the 4K release of it. Uh, I might actually run out and grab that. Although, I have been hearing some shit. James Cameron gets a lot of shit online from obsessive collector types. Not me, but other obsessive collector types on the internet about um digital noise reduction and about using AI to smooth out his films. Apparently, there's a lot of people who are upset with the look of True Lies and The Abyss and some of his other movies that are being re released uh, as we speak. Uh, I don't know if you've come across any of this, Kyle, but just thought I'd share that.
1: Yeah, I'm not a, I'm That doesn't bother me. If it just looks better than my VHS or DVD copy of it, I'm fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I have it and I can watch it and it doesn't look like shit. I'm fine. Yeah. If it's not
1: the Irishman, then I'm fine.
0: <laughs> well, actually, funny you mentioned that. Apparently that's what people are saying it looks like. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the the, earl- the early scenes of the Irishman. Got um, but remember, these are obsessive types. Like, I, I am a collector. I'm somewhat of a collector. Uh, I, I collect things. I collect movies. But I'm not, like, super obsessive about how it looks. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, anything else we need to say about Spawn, fellas? I
2: got a chuckle out of um, the open the heart surgery. Martin Sheen, whenever he had that (laughs) huge box on top of his chest, and he was awake during the whole process, and the doctor he was (laughs) awake. The doctor's like, "Hey, you're gonna feel a pinch, but don't worry. After we put this on you, nobody's gonna want to kill you." And I just thought, "This is this is insane."
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, folks, if you haven't seen it, what Nick's alluding to here is it looks like. It looks like an oil vent or something that you'd put over like an industrial stove <laughs> <laughs> that they lowered onto this man's chest. <laughs> and good old Martin Sheen, he felt I feel for the man, he fell prey to the same the same goddamn story that every prominent older actor that that's ever participated in a comic book superhero film falls prey to. My grandkids, <laughs> my grandkids, told me Spawn was cool. They're gonna love it. So I did Spawn. <laughs> my grand, my stupid ass grandkid told me I should be in Spawn, so I did Spawn for him, and now I regret it. <laughs> and Michael Jai White, actually, uh, despite you know not exactly getting that many starring roles in nineteen ninety seven, uh, he's been pretty. He's not been shy about shitting all over this movie in more recent years, which is. Kind of an odd move, but, you know, the man isn't exactly headlining mainstream cinematic endeavors these days. He's more of a direct-to-video guy. We still like him, though, mostly. Yep.
2: I mean, my last two notes are, uh, I mean, he pretty much Raiders of the Lost Arcs, his, the the Spawn Army. And I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, really? Spawn is just kind of Kratos in God of War. And I was like, okay. I never have to watch that again. But...
0: It's actually a really good comparison, Nick, and maybe better movie. That's what you could have done with this particular story. Because the character Cogliostro, who apparently ends up becoming a villain in the comics, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he is kind of serving as like a portent for that throughout the whole movie. He's like constantly warning Spawn that's like, accept what you've lost and move on. Like, don't hold on to your, your need for vengeance or your need to regain what you lost otherwise harm will come to other people as a result of your actions kind of like kratos who, yeah. you know blew up the fucking world <laughs> cuz he just had beef with his dad That's right. and, and and everybody in between uh, that could have been a different route to take with the story where it's like show evidence of the fact that Spawn is a bit of a fuck up don't make him look incompetent make him look like he has tunnel vision and he's making bad choices yeah um, but they they they're kind of wishy washy about it, and the movie is pretty flat as a result. Where it's like he, it just ta- he just comes across as dense. He does. Like, yeah. He just comes across <laughs> like he's he's stubborn and not willing to listen, and he keeps insisting on picking up guns even though he <laughs> gets plenty of evidence to suggest they're not going to do anything. <laughs> but then again, maybe that's symptomatic of the time. Like machine guns, assault rifles were. Kind of in vogue in action cinema in the late 90s. It was impossible to do one of those without somebody holding some sort of assault rifle at some point. Or guns akimbo, because remember, John Woo was rolling at this time as well. Guns, guns, guns! (laughs) Anyway, it sounds like we're tapped out on Spawn. We did it. Um, Todd McFarlane, Spawn. (laughs) Hi, I'm Todd McFarlane. I made a shitty movie called Spawn back in 1997. (laughs) I hope to make another one in 2024. <laughs> All I gotta do is sell some baseballs. <laughs> Maybe then I can finance my shitty movies. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, that is it, I guess, uh, for what the fuck is this guy's name? <laughs> Mark. Depo- is it? Depo- Depay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Mark- Depay. <laughs> Mark- Depay. 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 Dupay, uh, it's Dumas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark Dupay's Spawn, Spawn from 1997. Uh, remember, first-time director, probably why Todd McFarlane wants so much creative control. Because he's like, well, that guy fucked it up the first time. How come I can't fuck it up the second time? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's in the uh, the alley sequences in the movie. By the way, uh, he, he gets to pick up Spawn's gun at one point and say nothing. Because they probably didn't oh, want to pay. That
2: was him.
0: Just, <laughs> yeah, to speak on camera. Because you get paid extra if you speak. Um, but yeah, this is Mark DePay, spawned from 1997. Uh, this has been this week's edition of Dark Hero Month. Uh, stay tuned next week when we talk about a better movie. Uh, <laughs> most certainly. Um, anyway, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up On Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at catching up on cinema, as well as the Twitter at catching cinema. Uh, that's also X, by the way, in case anybody remembers or gives a shit. Um, and also uh, the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including BitCade. Uh, so fucking Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we will catch you next time. Get in my belly!